I request everyone, inshallah, to come move forward, please. There's a lot of extra gaps. We just prayed salah, alhamdulillah, shoulder to shoulder. We're blessed to be able to do that. So let's also sit in the gathering just like we would usually sit. Unless we need the support of the wall, <clears throat> then you can move, use the walls up, for, up front here. As well, all those uh, brothers and sisters listening at home, may Allah as well make it easy for us to listen with the proper etiquette. The more etiquette we show when we're listening, and uh, if we've just performed our Isha at home, we're in the state of wudu, we can sit down and uh, not, not be on our other devices and phones, and sit down and listen attentively, inshallah, there'll be a tremendous benefit based on the level of etiquette we show to the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's all renew our niyyah that we're here to benefit ourselves. We're here to gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're here to gain these secrets, understand the meanings and secrets of the Qur'an. We're here to rejuvenate ourselves. We're here to find solutions to our problems, answers to our questions. And turn to Allah at this moment and say, Allah, inspire the speaker to share that which I need to hear most today in my life and allow me to find the answers to the issues that I'm going through and we ask Allah to accept that dua on our behalf for all of us Amin Rabbil Alameen Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah Nahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'gfiru wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'amalina man yahdi illahu fala mudilla lahu wa man yudlilhu fala hadiya lahu wa nashadu wa la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu wa nashadu wa na muhammadan abduhu rasooluh أما بعد فقد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في القرآن المجيد واضرب لهم مثل للحياة الدنيا كما إن أنزلناه من السماء فاختلط به نبات الأرض فأصبح هاشيما تذره الرياح وكان الله على كل شيء مقتدرا صدق الله العظيم respected uh, brothers and sisters and dear listeners dear students السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Um, so, alhamdulillah, last week we covered quite a bit of ground. We covered the entire uh, rukur, and uh, there was, uh, you know, we could spend another couple of weeks just going back on those verses. And we won't be doing that. We'll move on to the next rukur today. Just wanted to do, um, a, a recap the aspect of that. This is the second of the four stories uh, of Surah Al-Kahf, and and. This was one uh, was very clearly mentioned here, uh, very clearly explicitly spoke about the and the faith versus materialism topic and theme of Surah Al-Kahf and how uh, over-reliance on means is the new age polytheism. This is the shirk of today, the shirk of then and the shirk of today where people, they rely tremendously upon the means of this world, upon material things, and they judge people, they size people based on how much they have and what they own and things of that sort. And this makes a person uh, turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala many times because Allah's system is such that more than often, more than often you see the one who Allah gives deen to he chooses to test him by not giving him too much dunya in this world. So if we, if we want to keep dunya and the, uh, the presence of material things as the, obje- as the objective and as the way we size people up to see whether I'm going to spend my evening hours with this individual or not based on how much they have, then we're going to be in big trouble. Because the people of deen, more than often, they have less. 
in one hadith that's mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps away his, his friends, his, his chosen servants from dunya, the way you keep your sick people away from cold water. The way you keep your people who are sick and who've, who've got some sickness from cold water did so that their fever or sickness does not increase, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps his awliya, his chosen ones away from the dunya like that. So even if they have material things, it never enters their heart. They're never in love with it. That's for sure. But even beyond that, just the mere presence of it, you'll see Rasulullah's life. It just wasn't present. And he said, and the people go through most difficulty are the prophets. The, uh, the, uh, there's a poet who says, uh, Right? It was meant, it's a long po- poem in, in Safahat bin Sabr al Ulama, Sheikh Abdul Fatabu Ghudda, Rahimahullah, great famous book by the, one of the great scholars of this past century. The chapters on, and pages on the stories of the patience and the endurance of scholars in seeking knowledge. So that's, if you ever want to get inspired, all the students, madrasa students know that that's a go-to book when you're feeling down, you don't want to study, you go pick up that book and you get inspired. Safahat min sabri al-ulama, right? The chapters and pages and the stories of the resilience of scholars in search of knowledge. So in there, there's, a, there's one uh, uh, section of a poem where the, he says, قِيلَ الْفَقْرِ أَيْنَ تَسْكُنُوا Poverty was asked, where do you reside? Poverty was asked, where do you reside? He said, where do you live? He said, I live, it was said, I live in the turbans of the jurist. I live in the turbans of the jurist. Meaning, traditionally speaking, this is just how the system has been. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given knowledge to certain people and has given wealth to certain people and there's few who have both so what happens that this is a fitna this is what a fitna how is it a fitna because a person looks at a scholar or a person looks at a righteous person he says he doesn't have much look at the car he's driving subhanallah you know a very old 30 year old car breaking down every now and then and he says but they say he's pious he's righteous he's knowledgeable then there's another person who doesn't have any of that knowledge or righteousness, piety, but has something much, much more glamorous. Now, where does the heart incline? Where do you want to spend your time? Where do you, who, 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 whom, whose children would you like to spend time with? Our children, who would they like to spend time with? Right? Let's think. That's a fitna. There you go. This was the same fitna from the time of the Prophet. They said that um, in Surah Zukhruf. Uh, they said that why wasn't the Quran revealed Why wasn't the Quran revealed on a noble, powerful, rich man from one of the two towns, meaning Ta'if or Mecca? Why wasn't the Quran revealed on someone who had gardens? And what else? He should have an angel bodyguard. To say, harto bacho, harto bacho, move, 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 move. The Prophet is coming, come on. He should have angels with him. And he should have plantations and gardens. And he should have just plenty to share. For him to enjoy and to share. 
So the fact that Muhammad doesn't have any of that. Instead, Yamshi fil aswaq. He's walking around in the marketplace just like us. He needs, he needs food as well. He needs to do business. He needs to go about the normal way of things just to be able to make ends meet. This in tatabi'una ila rajulam mashura. You are following but a bewitched man. This cannot be a prophet. Why are in this specific verses of Surah Al-Furqan in the 19th Jews, or rather the end of the 18th Jews, what is the issue over here? Why are they calling him a bewitched individual? Because the fact that he doesn't have tons of money. He doesn't have tons of money, he doesn't have guards, he doesn't have guards. And he says he's a prophet. Well, if you are a prophet, it doesn't look like you're a VIP. Look at the, look at the system today too. People say, who's a VIP? Uh, in the, you, go into, you go into Masjid al-Haram, you go to Masjid al-Nabawi al-Sharif, and you see sometimes there is the dunyawi VIPs coming. And you have 50 guards, 100 guards coming. You have police, you have the, the, the armies, the, the soldiers in their red hats coming through and with the huge guns and everything's closed off and say, who's there? The really who's who is the guy right next to you who you don't even turn around and say salam. You don't even offer him a cup of zamzam. You're like, yeah, whatever. The person next, he's the special person. The, the ones who no one says salam to, the ones who no one will open a door to, the one who if they ask their, the, your daughter's hand in marriage, no one, no one will be willing to give their daughter in, to that individual. If they intercede on someone's behalf, no one will accept their intercession. This is exactly what the Prophet ﷺ said. These are the awliya, these are the atqiya, these are the akhfiya, these are the hidden, pious, righteous individuals. Lo aqsama ala Allah illa But if they take Allah's name and say, Wallahi, this is gonna happen, Allah will ensure what they said must happen. If they say, Wallahi, this will happen, it will happen. Allah will not allow their words to fall false, to fall wrong. He will ensure that whatever they say, if they said it, it must happen. But who are they? They're hidden people. They are people, madfu'un, an labwab. They're pushed away from the doors. When they are present, they are never recognized. When they are absent, they're never missed. Unknown amongst people, but very well known in the heavens. That's the VIP. But our mind doesn't go to that, does it? Our mind goes to the VIP that the world makes it to be. The one with the limousine, the one with the bodyguards, the one with the you know, full protocol. So this is the fitna that you and I live today as well. Who should we follow? Who should we emulate? Uh, when you're looking at a scholar, first question, how many followers does he have on social media? How many views does he have on his video? Right? This is nowadays, this is what we judge people. There's their knowledge and taqwa based on followership. So that's the fitna. The greatest ulama may, may never, the YouTube world will never know them. Hidden. Gems, they're awliya. But no one will know them because they don't have a video. They don't have an audio clip of them. They don't have pictures of them. Unknown. And there are many who will have a huge followings. And Nabi ﷺ interestingly said in the gist of the hadith, In akhwafu ma akhaf ala ummati. One of the things I am afraid of most for my ummah. He said, the thing, one of the things I'm afraid the most for my ummah is munafiq, a hypocrite, hakimul lisan wa alimul lisan, who's got a sweet tongue. Who knows how to speak? A hypocrite who knows how to talk. Because what happens? He knows how to sway the crowds. He knows how to sway the people. May Allah protect all of us from becoming from such hypocrites and from becoming entrapped by such hypocrites. But he said, that's what I'm afraid the most. That you will fall for such people who know how to speak, who know how to carve their words, 
who know how to construct their sentences, who know how to, uh, uh, you know, there are some, words, some types of speech that the Prophet said, they bewitch you. They have a magical effect in the way they grab your attention and they get your focus and they make you think in a certain manner very different than what you were thinking before. So it could mean good and it could mean bad. More than likely the context of this hadith is being more negative. But the fact that there are some speeches like that, some types of words like that, that it can have a magical effect on a person. Isn't this interesting, my beloved friends? I don't know how many of you heard this hadith before. That Rasulullah is saying, the thing I fear the most for my ummah is a hypocrite who knows how to talk. He said that towards the end of times, there will be du'at. This is a word many of you know. Du'at, da'i, plural of da'i. Inviters, right? But he said, they will be inviting on the doors of hellfire. He seems like they're inviting towards Allah. But if you accept their invitation, you're going towards hell. So the fitna lies today as well, that we cannot size up our knowledge, the people of knowledge, the people of taqwa, the people of tahara, the people who we want to follow based on how much they have, how much they own, what type of clothing they have, what type of car they drive, where they live. This is absolutely a wrong way of putting, in, putting on, a, you know, a, 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 putting, a, putting someone on the pedestal or bringing them down. This cannot be the criteria of it. So as so long as we keep dunya as a criteria, material things as a criteria, we will suffer. So Nabi alayhi salatu salam, he made tarbiyah of his sahaba on this aspect. To make them genuinely not fall for dunya. To make it hayyin. To make it dhalil to them. They said this is like we give the example of toilet paper. You use it and you throw it. You don't become excited and you don't feel you are now superior to someone else because you were able to go and bring in a cart full of toilet paper to your home. Although there are some people who did that during the crisis, right? <laughs> they would go do a bunch of that, go bring a car full of toilet paper. But that doesn't make you superior to someone because you own a lot of that. That's what dunya is. Dunya is mata. Dunya is use and throw. So there's nothing wrong with using it. Thank Allah that you have it. But do not allow it to enter the heart. This is the hardest thing we're all struggling with. All of us are struggling with. So Nabi ﷺ made this mizaj and tarbiyah of the Sahaba. He's, one day he's wearing a nice, someone gifted him a new, a new robe. He was wearing it, mashallah. Imagine the Prophet's beautiful countenance, the Prophet's beautiful personality, now adorned with a new pair of clothing. Subhanallah, how beautiful it must have been. So when he walked into the masjid, the companions are marveling and looking at him, saying, mashallah, Ya Rasulullah, they're looking at his clothes. Immediately, Rasulullah, what has happened? He doesn't get happy. He doesn't get happy that they like how I'm dressed, that they are marveling out. Immediately he realizes that this is distraction. I don't want you to be attracted because this is dunya. Alhamdulillah, I got a new clothing today. Maybe you don't have it. So now you shouldn't be thinking that, oh man, when am I going to get my new robe? When am I going to get my new pair of clothing? I, automatically you don't want to start belittling what you have. Maybe it's a tattered, torn pair of clothing that you, the Sahabi is wearing. And now looking at Rasulullah's clothing, we don't want any type of depreciation for what we have. So what happens? Immediately, he turns the attention to Jannah. And he said, Sa'ad, Sa'ad radiallahu anhu had already become shaheed. And he was in Jannah, based on what Rasulullah is saying. He said, Lamana dilu Sa'ad. He said, do you have any idea the handkerchief of Sa'ad radiallahu anhu in Jannah is far superior than whatever you can imagine. Forget about this clothing. Just the handkerchief is more valuable than everything. So you're, you're all going to get there. 
You're going to get your dunya over there. Do not become distracted even for a moment. Forget about looking at what Romans and Persians have. Don't even look at what your Nabi is wearing and become attracted by that cloth. Subhanallah. That's a training Nabi Sallallahu is making of a Sahaba. And that's a training we must make of ourselves and of our children. That anytime there is in noticing some dunya, we have to correct that. That do not allow the dunya to come into the heart. It should be something unnoticeable. We go around through, through life, not, we need to learn how to make tasamuh, taghaful, act like we don't see things. Everything should be the same. All cars are the same for us. When you walk, whatever yours is the best, mashallah. Most grateful for that. But you walk in now, if a person says, oh look at this one, this is 30,000 more than mine, 20,000 more than mine, five, five, it has to 100 horsepower than mine, you will never be happy with what you have. We'll never be happy with what we have. So how, we have to train ourselves to say that this is just a play, what you call? A, a vehicle to move from point A, point a to point B. And I'm telling you the secret, I tell the kids, you know, subhanAllah students, I've had the, uh, you know, the experience, I should say, of driving in some ex- extremely expensive cars in, in some of my travels. And, you know, it was good. I think so. Because after two hours or three hours at the end of the weekend, I'm like, subhanAllah. You know, if I close my eyes in, in here, I would have no idea whether I'm in a $30,000 car or a $300,000 car. What was, the, what was the point of all this? You know, of course, I'm not going to tell the person who's, who's driving me around. But in my mind... And I'm thinking that subhanAllah, literally this is all in the mind. This whole logo, this, this name, you know, 50,000 for this type of company, 50,000 for that, subhanAllah. There's definitely some benefit a little bit here and there. But so much of it is all about the status, the fake status that we create ourselves associated with names. And so if you leave all of that, you close your eyes and sit in it, you'll realize that so many of those things, subhanAllah, uh, you know, you may be finding it in, in something that you are driving in your own self every day without that fancy name. So many people don't understand that as an outsider, I'm telling you. But subhanAllah, once you go through that lifestyle, you start realizing that it's all, it's, it's, it's so much, uh, uh, so, so, so fake, so artificial. So ar- the dunya right now is all artificial. We're in virtual reality right now, right? Everything, we're moving towards that. So this is also how it is. That if I have this, if I own this, I'll become happy. Bas- Someone was telling me about, we, I met a perfumer recently. He was telling me they have special perfumes. Huh? People like perfumes. And they, you can go order whatever you want. And said some of now, you know, like 12 ounce bottles based on specific type of uh, restrictions or specific conditions you have. They can buy, sell them for $40,000, $35,000. One bottle. And so what was he saying? He's like, this is the, it's the, how much does it cost to make? Nothing. He was a perfumer himself. But, much less than that, obviously. Nothing, not even a thousandth of that. But he was telling him, he was telling me as a perfume, he said, if whatever I sell, if I really were to sell with minimum profit, people will actually say, what you're selling is fake. They'll walk away from me. I have to sell it at an inflated price just for people to believe that this stuff is good. Right? So this, there you go, right here. That's all in the mind. In the mind, this fake world, inflated world that we're living in. And so, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is training his Sahaba not to fall for this stuff. So let's, let's share with you some examples of, uh, of Rasulullah Sallallahu Sahaba, graduates of his madrasa. Right? Graduates of his madrasa, what happened to them? Um, one of them is mentioned regarding Muawiyah radiallahu anhu. He says to Dirar bin Damura, he says, Sifli Aliyan. Muawir Allah, as we know, Muawir Allah was 
on a different side from Ali radiallahu anhu after the demise of Rasulullah and after after the Khulafa Rashidun, they had some misunderstandings and things happen. So Muawiyah anhu is asking one of the one of the his uh, his uh, companions or uh, uh, one of the companions, Sifli Aliyan, describe to me Ali radiallahu anhu. So now he doesn't want to. Because he's like, they're on opposite sides, you know. I don't want to necessarily praise Ali in front of Muawiyah. So he says to him, Awatafini, can you please absolve me of this? I don't want to do this. He says, Balsifu, nope. I'm telling you, describe him to me. I want to know how Ali was. He says, Awatafini. He says, Qalala. He kept on, Muawiyah says, No, I do not absolve you of this. I demand that you describe to me how Ali radiallahu anhu was, or how he is. Qala ama. Idan, if you're if you're really enforcing me, insisting on me describing Ali, then this here you go. فَإِنَّهُ وَاللَّهِ كَانَ بَعِيدُ الْمَدَى شَدِيدُ الْقُوَى يَقُولُ فَصْلًا وَيَحْكُمُ عَدْلًا. He says he had a he was very far-sighted, very physic, strong physically. When he spoke, he spoke uh, with he spoke in a decisive manner. Each word separately in a decisive manner. When he would pass judgments, he would pass them عَدْلًا. In a most just manner. And knowledge would literally spurt out of his sides. Just flowing out of knowledge. And he would speak with wisdom from all directions. He would become allergic. Istawhasha means to become allergic. We'd say in Urdu, we also use the same word in Urdu. What does that mean? You feel anxiety, panic, panicked. He would get panicked from the dunya wa and the beauty of it. And he would find contentment and happiness in the night and its darkness. Unfortunately, today we find happiness and darkness in the night for another whole reason. Today, unfortunately, with this we see the lights are on at night and people are on their phones. People are doing all kinds of stuff. So this is not the reason. Of course, this was the time in the night, in the darkness, he is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. كَانَ وَاللَّهِ غَزِيرُ طَوِيلُ الْفِكْرَةِ He had big, you know, tears. Many tears. طَوِيلُ الْفِكْرَةِ Extensive pondering. يُقَلِّبُ كَفَّهُ He would wring his hands. وَيُخَاطِبُ نَفْسَهُ And he would speak to himself. He would address himself. وَيُعْجِبُ مِنَ اللِّبَاسِ and he would like such clothing which was harsh and coarse. And such food which was tough to swallow. Wallahi, even though he was Amirul Mu'mineen, he acted as though he was one of us. Whenever you would ask him anything, he would respond to us. And he would say salam first to us whenever we came to him. وَيَأْتِينَا إِذَا دَعَوْنَاهُ And whenever we invited him over to our home, he would accept our invitation. وَنَحْنُ وَاللَّهِ مَعَ تَقْرِيبِهِ لَنَا وَقُرْبِهِ مِنَّا لَا نُكَلِّمُهُ حَيْبَةً وَلَا نَبْتَدِهِ لِعِظَمِهِ Even though we were so close to him and we were so near to him, we could not speak with him out of awe. And we could not say salam to him first out of his greatness. فَإِن تَبَسَّمَ فَعَنْ مِثْلُ الْلُؤْلُؤِ الْمَنْظُومِ When he smiled, it would seem as gems or pearls would be dropping from his beautiful lips. 
يعظم أهل الدين. He would honor the people of Deen. ويحب المساكين. And he would love the poor. لا يطمع القوي في باطله. The strong would never hope, would never have hope that Ali will be able to help him against the poor. The strong would never have the expectation that Ali will help him in his falsehood. And the weak would never give up and would never lose hope in his justice. I swear by Allah, I bear witness. I've seen him in certain instances. And the night had placed its curtains down. The night had brought out the curtains. And the stars had even disappeared. And he would stand in his mihrab, in his niche, in his place of prayer. Holding on to his beard. He would be... He would be shaking and trembling the way a person who has been bit by a scorpion trembles. And he would begin to cry the way a grieving person cries out. And it's as though his voice is still ringing in my ears as he was saying, Ya dunya, O dunya, abi ta'arrad, O dunya, have you tried to show yourself to me? Amli tashawakt. Oh dunya, are you trying to create desire in me? Hayhata, hayhata. Far away from me, far away from me, go. Ghurri, ghurri, ghayri. Try deceiving someone else. Try deceiving someone else. Faqad, faqad talaqtuki thalathan. I have given you three talaqs, not one talaq. Three talaqs. La raj'ata li fika. There is no coming, there is no returning back of you. After these three talaq. Like a three talaq is final. Nothing after that. He says, I gave you all three talaq. فَعُمْلُكَ قَصِيرٌ your, your life, your span, oh dunya, qasir is short. وَعَيْشُكَ حَقِيرٌ And your, your, your life itself, oh he's speaking of the dunya, your life is despicable. وَخَطْرُكَ كَبِيرٌ And the danger that you possess, kabir, is huge. آهٍ مِنْ قِلَّةِ الزَّادِ Oh, مِنْ قِلَّةِ الزَّادِ How little are my provisions. And how far is the journey? And how challenging is the path towards Akhirah? Subhanallah. This is your fourth Khalifa. You, this is your son in law of Rasulullah, the first young person to accept Islam. And this is a tarbiyah Rasulullah had given him, the graduate of Madrasa Sufa. You see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted them. My beloved friends, my, I speak to myself and all of you. We can never rule the world until we learn how to put the world under our feet. As long as we desire it, others will continue to win over. The day we say that we, we do not desire it from you, we will not try to take it away from you. You take it if you want. I don't want this. I'm here to establish the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, then it will be a different day. And one, one more story I'll share with you. And this is a khutbah of Khalid bin Umair al-Adawi, radiallahu anhu, sorry, Utbah bin Ghazwan, radiallahu anhu. He was the emir of Basra. Huge city. He stands up and he gives a khutbah. He praised Allah, and then he said, Amma ba'd. فَإِنَّ الدُّنْيَا قَدْ آذَنَتْ بِصُرْمٍ وَوَلَّتْ حَذَّاءٍ Oh, listen people, the dunya has announced that it's coming to an end. And it is turning 
it's turning its back towards us. وَلَمْ يَبْقَى مِنْهَا إِلَّا صَبَابَةٌ كَصَبَابَةِ الْإِنَاءِ يَتَصَابُهَا صَاحِبُهَا The only amount of dunya left is like the few drops of water left in a cup or in a container that a, the, the person who's drinking tries to shake those few drops out. That is how much is left of the dunya. وَإِنَّكُمْ مُنْتَقِلُونَ مِنْهَا إِلَى دَارٍ You are soon, all of you are going to be moving towards the next world. لَا زَوَالَ لَهَا that has no ending. So make sure you make your move well. Make sure when you're going, that you make your, you make your move in a manner that is going to not going to be of harm to you. Then this Sahabi, he begins to reflect his time with Rasulullah He says, He talks about Jahannam and Jahannam. I'll skip that part out. Then he says, I remember I was a seventh person with Rasulullah. There was only seven of us. We had absolutely no food to eat except for the leaves of a tree. Until we got massive blisters in all our, in our tongue and our, in our mouth because of eating leaves. He says, Then I found a, 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 I found a shirt فَشَقَقْتُهَا بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَ سَعِيدٍ بِنْ مَالِكٍ We didn't even have shirts. So I tore it and I took half and I gave it to Sa'id ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. فَاتَّزَرْتُ بِنِصْفِهَا وَاتَّزَرَ سَعِيدٌ بِنِصْفِهَا We took the shirt and we made it into a lower garment. We had no garments. I took half of it and made a lower garment for myself. And Sa'id bin Malik took half of it and made a lower garment for himself. فَمَا أَصْبَحَ الْيَوْمَ مِنَّا أَحَدٍ إِلَّا أَصْبَحَ أَمِيرًا عَلَى مِصْرِ الْأَمْصَارِ And today, every one of us is a governor over one of the large cities of the Muslim empire. Every one of us is a governor of a large city of the Muslim empire. وَإِنِّي أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ أَنْ أَكُونَ فِي نَفْسِي عَظِيمًا I seek refuge in Allah from being honorable in my own eyes and being disgraced in the eyes of Allah. And so he says that, remember, This is all starting off good, but eventually you will have leaders that you will be tested with who unfortunately are not going to be good. My beloved brothers and sisters and dear listeners, these stories are not just a few uh, random incidents that happened during the time of Rasulullah. This was the key factor that led to the success of the Sahaba in such short period of time, and that's where we're lacking. That's where we're lacking. That's why we keep on boasting over our numbers, but our m- m- numbers mean nothing to anyone in the world. Our Ustad, the Sahab, would say, people would say, 1.2 billion, 1.3 billion. He would say, you have a check. You have a billion dollars written there. A billion dollars, one with nine zeros, written there. And imagine someone gives you this check, or a million dollars, or say a hundred thousand dollars. Six zeros. When they give you the check, you grab it and you're so happy, you go home. Later on, you open up the envelope and you see, Are yaar, one small mistake. One mistake is that the number one is missing there. He says, the one is missing there. What is it going to be? You can have nine zeros or twelve zeros or six zeros. It means zero. He says, the ummah today is boasting the numbers, but they do not have the one Allah with them. That's why no one cares about us. Our blood means nothing. Our honor means nothing. Our homes mean nothing. Our, our say means nothing. Because we've lost Allah. So instead of focusing on our growth, 
we need to start focusing in our growth in our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah will come to us and to our assistance when we show Allah that, Ya Allah, we prefer the akhirah over the dunya. That is what's going to set us apart from the rest. This is the crux of Surah Al-Kahf. And this is what you and I will need if we want to succeed in the upcoming years. That we must have self-control. And we must tell ourselves, I'm going to take akhirah over dunya. Ajila over ajila. I'm going to take what's going to come afterwards over what's now. And if we can do that, then inshallah we will succeed. And if we can't do that, then we will follow with the rest of the world. What is the rest of the world doing? They are worshipping materialism. They are worshipping material things. Every new gadget that comes around, every new technology that comes around, that's their, that's their khuda. That's what they love. That's what they're amazed with. That's what they're amazed with. Subhanallah. We cannot become like that. I was reflecting over this past weekend, the difference between uh, you know, nature, and, uh, which is amazing, and technological advancements. Myself and a few brothers. And we were thinking, and we said, SubhanAllah, when you go to nature, when you see nature, be it the Grand Canyon, be it the Pacific, be it, be it the, uh, you know, uh, any other type of range, mountain range or ocean of this world, what happens? We say, SubhanAllah, this is amazing. This is gorgeous. This is beautiful. How amazing Allah is that He made this. Nature creates an appreciation of Allah. Nature forces you to say, Subhanak ma khalaqta hadha batila. Glory be to you, Allah. You have not created this in vain. And the opposite is technology. That when we see technology, we start marveling. But how often have you seen someone or heard someone when they see a latest new gadget, latest new invention, that they start praising Allah? If anything, it adds to the ghafla and the heedlessness on their heart. And they become even further from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That the little time bandwidth they had with Allah, that also gets cut short because of this new latest technological item that has come into the home. It's supposed to make our life easier, but it has actually what it done, has it made it much more, it creates much more further barriers between us and Allah. Am I not right on this? How often you hear someone who's created a latest watch, latest gadget said, man, amazing how Allah gave the brains to such engineers to make this. How great that Allah must be. That he, this is his small tiny makhluk and they created this. How great, how smart, how intelligent, how amazing, how powerful Allah must be. That doesn't happen. So technology, it actually, if you see it, believe it or not, is actually a very powerful tool in creating ghafla and heedlessness in our hearts. So it is nothing wrong with it, but unfortunately like the dunya, nothing wrong with it. You just got to make sure the dunya doesn't enter the heart. Similarly, technology cannot enter the heart. As long as that happens, then inshallah, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's the key thing. Let us make it serve us and let's not serve it. So this is the next rukur is the continuation of this theme. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, وَاضْرِبْ لَهُمْ مَثَلَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا كَمَا إِنْ أَنزَلْنَاهُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَاخْتَلَطَ بِهِ نَبَاتُ الْأَرْضِ فَأَصْبَحَ هَشِيمًا تَذْرُوهُ الْرِيَاحُ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ مُقْتَدِرًا الْمَالُ وَالْبَنُونَ زِينَةُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْبَاقِيَاتُ الصَّالِحَاتُ خَيْرٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ ثَوَابًا وَيَوْمَ نُسَيِّرُ الْجِبَالَ وَتَرَى الْأَرْضَ بَارِزَةً وَحَشَرْنَاهُمْ فَلَمْ نُغَادِرْ مِنْهُمْ أَحَدًا وَعُرِضُوا عَلَى رَبِّكَ صَفَّا لَقَدْ جِئْتُمُونَا كَمَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةً بَلْ زَعَمْتُمْ أَلَّنَّ نَجْعَلَ لَكُمْ مَوْعِدًا 
ووضع الكتاب فترى المجرمين مشفقين مما فيه ويقولون يا ويلتنا ما لهذا الكتاب لا يغادر صغيرة ولا كبيرة إلا أحصاها ووجدوا ما عملوا حاضرا ولا يظلم ربك أحدا Allah Azza wa continues the same description of the dunya but with another parable. He says, Hence, set forth for them the parable of the life of this world. It is like water that we send down from the sky, then the plants of the earth briefly mingle with it and glow lush. Then they become dry stalks that the winds utterly scatter. For Allah alone holds invincible power over all things. So in this, in this section, the Qur'an is giving an, an example of how fani and how short-lived this dunya is. The Qur'an says that dunya is like water. What is the is situation with water? That it comes and goes. Water doesn't stay. When it rains, it pours, they say. But still, it doesn't stick around. It's gone. So similarly, dunya may come in huge amounts to a person. But it does not stick with him long enough at all. Before we know it, we lose all of it. So the Qur'an is saying, when this water comes down, it mixes with the soil in the ground, vegetation starts growing, plants, leaves, flowers, all sorts of stuff. And then ikhtalata, they mingle with it. So when you have a very lush garden, or you have a rainforest, what, what do you see? You see branches and trees, the tr- branches of various trees intersecting with one another. Because it becomes very bushy. The, all the trees are together next to each other. It becomes very thick and dense due to the uh, lushness of the jungle and the garden and due to the excess of the rain. Everything is, is, is mingling with one another. That's how it looks like. How long does that last? Doesn't, last, doesn't last long. How quickly the summer went by and where we are today in winter and how quickly before you know it we're complaining maybe it's cold before you know it subhanallah Ramadan will be over we in summer before you know it just like this past summer flew by the winter will flow by and and those huge massive farmlands that we saw six foot long corn stalks three foot long wheat and soybeans in our state in our nearby states what happens right now open field complete open field everything dried up before you know it october november finish everything's gone you want to say what happened to it where did it go allah azza says they become dry stalks and now like the storms that we had this past week winds come and they scatter it all over and you want to say where did it go so one is the the bolt of fire bolt that came and destroyed the garden that we discussed last week. That was a supernatural disaster that took place. And unfortunately, we have our you know, fellow citizens suffering in Kentucky. May Allah make it easy for them. SubhanAllah, it's devastating to see what they're going through right now. And we ask Allah to, to make their suffering a means of their hidayah and means of their guidance. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring ease for them in this world and the next as well. I mean. Uh, and we're seeing so many more uh, natural disasters. And that's of course one of the signs of the hour. Be it uh, global warming or whatever else from an 
external aspect. That, but we also know from the hadith that as we grow, as we go towards the end of times, it's ajib, one hadith comes to mind, a person will wake up in the morning and they'll talk. And each person will have a natural disaster to speak about that happened in their area. Everyone will say, Everyone will be saying what happened in their own region. Natural disasters will become that common. From the hadith of the Prophet Right, so we, we don't have, we don't know, we say, when you say earthquake, you say which one? Right, when you say tsunami, you say which one? You say storm, you say which one? That is exactly what's happening. A regions that never were that warm have become warm. I mean, it's, the world is facade, facade. Your AC messes up, if it starts becoming 90 right now, what's going to happen to us? If it becomes 50, what happens to us? We've messed up the whole temperature of the earth. Allah says, chaos has become apparent all over on the oceans and earth. Because of what the people are doing. When we have our sin, subhanAllah, we polluted the earth with our sin. And guess what now we did? Then we took that, we took that pollution to the cruise ships. And we polluted the oceans. Then we took that pollution to the jets. And we're polluting the sky. Now they're taking that pollution to the space. And they're going to pollute that place as well. Everywhere the masi of Allah, disobedience of Allah, of all forms, unfortunately, spreading across the globe. So this masi and disobedience of Allah is going to obviously bring about natural disasters as well. Lots of stuff will happen as we move forward in this world. That's Allah al-afiyah, we ask Allah protection. So the Qur'an is saying that that's an example of a bolt, a fire bolt that comes and destroys that garden. But then you have this example, which... He doesn't require a punishment. This is called the change of the seasons. Every season you have a moment to reflect, or many moments to reflect, of how greenery turns into a vast, open, dry piece of a plot. Done. Ask yourself, where did the crops go? Where did the greenery, the roses, the tulips all have gone? That's exactly how my life will end and your life will end one day. One day we're going to be in fall and we're not going to have, have a spring again. That's it. We're going to be in the middle of the winter and there'll be no spring. That's it. Khatam. That's how we're going to end our life. So the Quran wants us to focus on that. And then he says, For Allah alone holds invincible power over all things. Right? This is Allah Azza wa Jal who is capable of destroying your life and bringing it on an end. In Surah Al-Mu'minun, Allah says, وَإِنَّا عَلَىٰ ذَهَابٍ بِهِ لَقَادِرُونَ Indeed, we are capable of bringing an end to your dunya. Indeed, we are capable of bringing an end to your dunya. That Allah who is capable, all capable, all powerful, of bringing you and I from non-existence into existence. When, don't we love stories of rags to riches story? Like, oh my God, they had nothing and He has everything now. Well, guess what? That story didn't stop there. It's also riches to rag too. Just in case we forgot. It works the other way around too. And that works 100%. When we leave this world, all of us are going to go in rags. Kafan is a rag. Kafan is a rag. No matter how rich we are, when we go into the ground, it's all going to be a rag. People, before we are buried, before we even buried, people are fighting over the assets. That's happening every day, unfortunately. So Allah is capable of bringing dead ending to everything. Now, the previous person who owned the garden, what was he arrogant over? He said, An aksaru minka, malan wa azu nafara. He was more, he was arrogant over the fact that he had more money than this brother or friend of his. 
and he had invested it in with you know in big places. And number two, he was excited and arrogant about Azunafara. I got a bigger gang. I have a bigger uh, group of friends. Look at you. Who are your friends? Where's your you know group? So Allah now mentions in this ayah, next ayah. This is the two biggest things that people strive for: al-malu wal-banun, money and sons, wealth and children. Right? Wealth and children. They are the adornments of this life, of this fleeting world. Zina. What does zina mean? Khubsurti. Beauty. It means when you have when you have the beauty, is beauty it's just an additional external thing, isn't it? Yes? Khubsurti is what? It's like the icing on the cake. That's not the cake itself. And all the kids they like to eat more icing than the actual cake sometimes. But that's not the cake. That's just the external thing. Quran is saying, mal and children, this is not the real life. This is just the external aspects of life. Meaning, this is not daruriyat of life. This is not the necessities of life. If you have it, sure. If you don't have it, no problem. Yeah, money and children. If you have it, fine. If you don't have it, fine. Actually, whatever situation you're in, it's good for you. Zina. What does that tell us? That it is not a daruriyah. It is just the external aspect of the life. It is not bin daruriyatil hayat. Everyone's got a certain amount of wealth. Not everyone has children. And not everyone has sons. But everyone has a certain amount of wealth. That's why ulama say wealth has been mentioned first. So the Quran is basically saying, this is not worthy of, your, uh, of you losing your deen after wealth and children. It's just not worth it. People love to have Children, obviously, it's a blessing. But let's also remember the Quranic verse. To Allah belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth. Allah creates whatever He wants. Allah grants whoever He wants girls. And grants whoever He wants boys. And if Allah wishes, He may give you boys and girls. And if He wishes, He may make a person barren without any children. Indeed, Allah is all knowledgeable. He knows exactly what He is doing, why He is doing, to whom He is doing. Qadir, capable of changing anything He wants anytime. So if a person understands this ayah, then he sees something to reflect on. Is that not having children at times is actually a huge blessing if you ask someone who has disobedient children. Those children that are making him cry every day, making him feel like he wish he was dead. Allah protect you and I from having such children. Say, I mean, A'udhu bika min waladin yakunu aliyya wa ba'la. Is the hadith dua. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from a child that will become a test for me. So if you ask that individual, he will say that no, I wish I didn't have children. What if a person who doesn't have children, he sees someone who has uh, children that are extremely handicapped and then subhanAllah, within a few years of birth they pass away. A few weeks of birth they pass away. Or for 20-30 years, they're in a vegetable state. They're brain dead. The one who has it, that's his ticket to Jannah. The one who doesn't have children should look at that and say, what if Allah had given me a child like that? Would I be able to make sabr and khidmah like this? 
So not having children could be the greatest blessing for the one who doesn't have it, is what I'm trying to say. And the, having it could be the greatest blessing for the one who has it. Similarly, someone who has daughters, uh, from our, he says, oh man, I wish, we have to take, I wish I had sons. That's obviously a natural desire. That's what's mentioned here. But what a person needs to look at is that those who have sons, is every father who has sons happy with his sons? Are they doing enough khidmah of their parents? Are they happy? Every father who is just a mother who has been blessed with daughters, this is the reality of life overseas. Women are ostracized. They're divorced. They're pushed out. They're oppressed by their in-laws. Astaghfirullah al-Azim. My blood boils listening to this, saying this. And this is happening now as we speak in many parts of the world. A'udhu Billah. That a woman is oppressed, is beaten up, is ostracized, is abused. Because what? Because she's giving birth to daughters. This, this type of jahili uh, era is still is thriving in our, in our areas. Back home in Indian, Indo-Pak especially. And probably in the Middle East too, I don't know the situation there. But this is how it is. Because of so many reasons. When a person has a daughter, then he is worried about getting her married. Then they have the whole concept, boys you probably don't know, but they, and they have something called jahez overseas. Uh, it's a big, big, you know, zulm in which the girl, not only she has to leave her parents and go get married to a stranger, but on top of that, the girl's parents have to give huge, ridiculous amounts of money to the boy. Subhanallah. It's supposed to be dowry, right? You're supposed to give the girl side. You're supposed to give the daughter. You're supposed to give your wife a gift. But it's the flip side of it. That the girl, she's leaving her home, and on top of that, she has to take with her money that her dad doesn't earn in five years. That literally, you all, you know, kids who were born here, but never heard of this, maybe. But this is why there's such a musibah. Because they, they're, they're part of this cultural, uh, you know, uh, zulm and shackles of culture. That the father, as soon as he sees his daughter is born, he's not looking at all oh, that cute smile and my daughter is going to be such a loving, caring daughter. He's thinking about 20 years from now, I got to get her married. How am I going to give her 2-3 lakh rupees? I have no money. That's what he's thinking. And there are fathers who have actually killed themselves, hung themselves after the birth of daughters. Because they, they can't see the day where they're going to have to tell the daughter, I don't know how I can get you married because I don't have that money. This is the oppression that is taking place now in this day and age overseas. And I don't know, maybe even in, in, in this country as well. But we must speak against this type of nonsense. And that's why you boys here, you have to make sure when you're getting married, that you are very strict on this. And to say, the greatest gift that anyone can give me is their daughter. There's no reason, there's absolutely no reason for me to be taking any monetary gifts from the girl's side. To the extent that that's why a wedding, from a so-called wedding or shadi itself, ulama are very strict on it in many parts of the world. To to end this type of nonsense. Because again, they don't have, maybe they're not giving you uh, things, but you know, they say the wedding costs us, you know how it is now, outrageous, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000. And now the girl's side feels obliged that, oh, we're getting our daughter over to this guy, so now we have to spend 50K on a wedding. They don't have 50K. They're gonna open up five, six credit cards, and they're gonna go through all, they're gonna have to take loans from people. Because why I have to get my daughter married? This is haram, zulm, zulm. This is wrong. Not part of our deen. Why are we forcing people? They say, no, I feel like to do it. Don't worry about it. I want to do it. You really want to go in debt? That's exactly. I'm telling you, you don't need to go in debt. Alhamdulillah, the greatest gift is your daughter. What else? You know? It's fine. Why is all this off? Because of culture. 
we have to break this culture. There's so many cultural things we have to break. That, have, that we have become so focused on culture and left the actual deen, unfortunately. Unfortunately. And that has harmed us in so many ways. So one of those cultural things is the fact of the demand of, of huge amounts of gifts from the women's side. And in America, it's huge wedding parties. So as the boy side, we should never demand these things. And we should never demand clothings for all, everyone, jewelry sets for all the women, and fancy clothing for all the women. This is, this is all not part of the deen. What is part of the deen? Is the guy has to give the dowry, and the boy side has to give the walima. No, that doesn't have to have extravagance in there too. But feeding is supposed to be done from the walima, from the boy side. So there's no feeding from the girl side at all. That's why some people have come up with an interesting way, is to get married, you know, like after Asr, and then the husband and wife simply ride together, you know, for a drive or whatever, from till Isha or whatever. And after Isha, they have the walima, done. For walima to take place, the marriage does not need to be consummated. For walima to take place, the husband and wife simply need to be in seclusion for some time, where marriage is possibly to be consummated. That's all. So if you want to, he said, ah, oh, people have come from out of town, how could you not feed them? Sure, make it a walima. Save the expenses from the girl's side and save people's plane tickets. <laughs> like, like, you know, seriously, it's so expensive. All hotels, flights, all of those things. No, one weekend is this, then the next weekend is this, then the next weekend is that. How much? And are you getting kickbacks from the airline industry or what? You know, that we're doing all of this. But subhanAllah, make it simple. One weekend, you have everything together. Make it as cost-efficient as possible. And mashallah, you'll have barakah in the home. The, the, the nikah that has the most barakah, what did Rasulullah say? Aisaruha mauna, the one that is the least expensive. The one that has the least expense is going to have the most barakah. Like, it's like we just become blind when you see this hadith. Like, no, we want barakah. So how are you going to get barakah? By throwing a party for 2,000. No, it doesn't happen like that. You want to feed 5,000. 10,000. There's so many poor people outside. Give them food. 100%. That's awesome. But keep the expenses less. Where, what was I speaking about? Huh? We're speaking about why people are uh, so desirous to have boys. Some of you boys sitting here don't understand that. That's why I give you this background. When you hear someone say, Ay, hai, afsos, You're like, Mom, I don't understand that. Like, why did you just say that? That high of source, how sad she had a third daughter. I'm seriously, many of you don't know what's going on. So I'm telling you why this is going on. Because they got that back home mentality. They're like, oh, having a daughter is a musibah. That's why when you, when you have the third or fourth daughter or second daughter, they say, hi, of source, you know, astaghfirullah, we wish you could have given me tie, but this is not even a time to give me tie. This is the type of trash that is, is taking place within our circles. You got to cut it out. You got to make sure if that happens in front of you, that you speak against that. To say, this is absolutely against what the Qur'an is teaching us. This is exactly what the people did during the time of the Prophet muswadda. Allah says, when they were given a glad tiding of a daughter, their face would turn pale, dark and black. And they would walk around holding in their grief and their anger. They would hide from the rest of the people. Afraid how they're going to face the people with the glad tiding. Allah says glad tiding. Because according to Allah, that's a glad tiding. According to you, it's not. He says, out of the fear that how they're going to face the people with the glad tiding that they have received. 
He's got two options. Should he hold him, her alive and keep her while being disgraced in society? Or should he pin her down into the ground and bury her alive? What a horrible judgment you are making. Where did you come up with these two options from? Who said keeping a daughter with you is going to be causing disgrace that you could even consider burying her alive? That's what we're doing today. If you are one of those people, if you heard someone saying that, how are we different from this ayah? That high of source, how sad. They have three daughters, they have four daughters, five daughters. What did Nabi Sallallahu say? He said the one, man jariyatain, Whoever takes care of two daughters, raises them properly, huh? raises them properly, gives them the tarbiyah, weds them in a proper place, I'm gonna be with him in Jannah. He started off with three daughters, then he brought it to two daughters. Sahaba said, I wish we had asked him just for one daughter as well. Did you see this reward for sons? There's no such a hadith on the virtue of sons. Because already people have that in their mindset. But there's so many a hadith. I don't have them all in front of me right now, but I'm saying there's so many virtues of raising daughters in the hadith to change this mindset. We must change our mindset. So what did the ulama say? Sometimes a person who has a daughter, he doesn't realize that Allah may give him a son-in-law who will honor him and love him more than his son would ever do. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant him such a grandson who will serve him and serve the deen more than his son would ever do. So we need to learn how to think that what Allah has given me, be happy with that. And let me look and expect for khayr and goodness in that. And the happiness that a daughter gives to the parents, ask the fathers who are sitting here who have daughters compared to their sons. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant me the ability and all of you sons to have the qualities that our sisters have. Say ameen. And to serve our parents the way our sisters do. It's just amazing. There's two different makhluq. Subhanallah. And so why would a person not desire that? Why would a person not desire that? So al-mal wal-banuna, zinatul hayat dunya. Then the Quran says, all of this zina, it's not, it's not, it's not necessary. Wal-baqiyatul salihat. What is necessary? What is necessary is righteous sins that will retain, astaghfirullah, righteous good deeds. Abiding good deeds of righteousness that, will, that are far better in reward with your Lord in the hereafter and far more excellent fulfillment of every hope in this life. Subhanallah. Dunya tafaniyah, whatever dunya is, is gonna come to an end. What Allah is saying is gonna stay. You, I'm sure many of you have heard this word, baqiyat salihat. You've heard this word before. Baqiyat means that is gonna stay forever. This is a sifa of al-a'mal. Yani a'mal al-baqiyat. Those good deeds that are going to re- remain forever, as-salihat, guess what? There are, their sins are going to stay forever. We don't want that. Sins will also stay forever. And they're going to get punished in hellfire. But uh, that's the doer of it. We're talking about good deeds that will re- remain forever. They are far better. Far better with me or for you? No. Far better with the one who, who, who's, who is the most important in our life. Allah. That in the book of Allah, in the, in the books of Allah, there's nothing far superior than everlasting good deeds. Khayrun amala. And if you've got hopes in life, you're like, kash, I had this, kash, I had that. I wish I had this, I wish I had that. There's nothing that's going to, there is, um, uh, there's nothing that is going to help you fulfill your hope better than good deeds. When you do good deeds, all your hopes will get fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? Through good deeds, your ambitions, your dreams will get fulfilled. 
not through material things. Then Allah Azza wa says, this dunya is going to come to an end. You know what day will come to an end? Yawmun Nusayyirul Jibal. So beware of the day when we shall move the mountains away. What is more solid than the mountains? Skyscrapers, huge buildings, massive warehouses. Look what happened to the warehouse right now. Right? That's the dunya. There's nothing more stable than a mountain range. Allah says, the entire mountain range I'm going to dislodge. The entire mountain range. Right? There's so many verses about the dislodging of mountain, mountains in the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, barizah. You shall see the earth laid bare. Because right now the earth is covered with oceans, with trees, with jungles, with uh, uh, springs, with desert, with uh, you know, buildings, mountains, all of that. When the day of judgment will come, every single thing will be removed. Bariza means something which is apparent. Uh, right? Mubaraza is when two people come for a fight in the open. There's a duel taking place. A baraz, where you go open far away land to, to relieve yourself. So bariza, the earth is un, you know, unsheathed, laid out bare. Wahasharnahum. Then we shall gather them all. From the people who died a thousand years ago, 5,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, till the last man or woman to die before the Day of Judgment. Allah Azza wa will gather them all together. فَلَمْ نُغَادِرْ مِنْهُمْ أَحَدًا We will not leave out any of them. Mugadara. We use that, we use this in modern standard Arabic for, for the leaving of planes, right? Flight is departing at certain time. Mughadara tuttaira. So, Mughadara is to leave. From here comes the word Ghadar. Ghadara, what is Ghadar? Ghaddari. What is Ghadar? To be deceitful, backstabbing, to leave someone, to forsake someone. That's what it is, forsaking someone. That's what Ghadar is. Similarly, Ghadir. Ghadir is a pool of water. When water comes and it rains, all the water dissipates, all the water escapes, except for the water that's left in a Ghadir, meaning in a small pool or a pond. So Ghadara has the meaning of, Ghadara has the meaning of leaving behind. Uh, so, we will not leave behind anyone, every single one. The Quran, Surah Qiyamah says, we will capture every single individual and we will, we will be able to line them up by their fingertips. Isn't that amazing? The Quran speaking about, you know, fingertips. And speaking of how we have uh, your uh, method of recognizing people today. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through the fingerprints, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, we will line up everyone. So no, no cell is going to get left behind. Okay, where, where, where do we move next? They will all be arrayed before your Lord in ranks. Ard. Ard means to be presented. Peshki. You're being presented. Everyone's being presented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in ranks. In rows. When you have it in rows, you cannot escape. It's all in an orderly fashion. You're not people hiding here, people hiding there. The earth is already laid bare. And now everyone is in rows. لَقَدْ جِئْتُمُونَ And guess who else is coming in the rows? وَجَاءَ رَبُّكَ وَالْمَلَكُ صَفًّا صَفًّا Even the angels are descending in an orderly fashion. Rows and rows and rows of angels. لَقَدْ جِئْتُمُونَ Allah will tell all of us, Very truly you have come before us. Just like we have created you the first time. How were we created all of us? We were created, we came out single and unclothed and uncircumcised. 
That's exactly how everyone will be risen on the Day of Judgment. Aisha radiallahu anha, when she hears this description, she immediately asks Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah, how will this be possible? What will happen if we are unclothed and naked on the Day of Judgment? What's her mind is going towards? Hijab. SubhanAllah. Her mind's like, what's going to happen to our hijab? Nabi saw some simple answer. He says, Oh Aisha, the situation on that day will be much more severe than what you can imagine. No one will have a second to think about who's next to him or her. Never. Even if it's a million years long. No one will have the ability to look right and left due to the immense fear. When someone, is, when someone hears a fearful, tearful news, they hear about someone who just passed away in their own family. If you ask them later on, do you remember who was there? He doesn't remember anything. What happened, who he met, who was there, absolutely cannot recall anything out of the shock. So the day of judgment will bring so much shock and awe that a person cannot see who is to his right and who is to his left. All of us will come back to Allah the way He's created. Yet in the life you had alleged that we would never occasion such an appointment for resurrecting you. How dare you in the dunya kept on thinking that you, there was no such thing as a meeting place. Then the precise book of recorded deeds will be placed. Right? For each person. It will be placed. Some will receive it in the right hand. Some will receive it in the left hand. And the Quran says that whoever receives it in the right hand, he'll be like the one who's got 100% on his exams. What he will do? He'll walk around and he'll be saying, read, read my book, read my book. So excited to share his success. And the one who's received his book of deed in his left, behind, left hand behind his back as a failure, may Allah protect you and I from that. He will be crying. He will be saying, I swear, I wished I had never been given my book. I wish I had never been judged. I wish that my last death was the ultimate death, after which there was no resurrection. My wealth definitely has not come to assist me. All the power, strength, and the contacts I had in the world all have come to perish. Nothing has come to help me today here. So that book will be placed by the angels in the hands of the people. فَتَرَ الْمُجْرِمِينَ Thus you shall see the defiant unbelievers. مُشْفِقِينَ Terrified of what's inside it. They don't want to open it. They don't know what to, what's inside it. They're just scared. وَيَقُولُونَ And they will be saying, Woe to us. يَا وَيْلَتَنَا Mean destruction. Oh destruction. هَذَا أَوَانُكِ فَتَعَالِي Oh destruction, this is your time to come. Khalas, we're done, it's over. This ayah is powerful, subhanAllah. Mali al kitab. What is with this book? What's wrong with this book? I can't understand it. La This book has never left, it has not left out any act of mine, be it small or great. There is no action that has not been recorded in this book. One blink of the eye, one movement of the eye, one you know, one movement of the finger, one attachment of the heart, one murmuring under our breath of something. Every single moment and reflection and eye movement and ear attention to a certain thing which we shouldn't have focused on, subhanAllah, every single thing has been recorded. Just like today's technology. That's why technology is a great way to learn about the akhirah. Who said it's not? It is, but we don't think of it like that. We think about surveillance of Allah, 
Look at what surveillance we have today. Look at how speech is being recorded. Look how key, keypad movements are being recorded. If you delete all you want, they're being recorded somewhere else. Someone sitting in another part of the world is able to see what you're typing, what you typed yesterday. They can turn on the mic, they can turn on the camera. All sorts of surveillance is happening now. Movements are being watched and traced and tracked. Why all this? One big, one big reason is if you say, if human beings can do this, imagine the Lord of the human beings, what He must be doing. And just like when the video is presented to us in court, and where Allah forbid someone is caught red-handed and can't say anything, imagine when the real will play on the Day of Judgment. When the limbs themselves will start speaking, how can you belie them? When the tongue itself will not be allowed to speak, and the, human, the body and the skin will speak, the skin will speak, the fingers, the hands, the feet, the ears will speak, the eyes will speak, Allahu Akbar. Alright? That is why technology, we, sh- we can use it to reflect on what is awaiting for us on the Day of Judgment. One of many hadith we understand, like for example, weighing, weighing of deeds. There's such a long discussion in the books of hadith about how actions are weighed. But now we see in this world, there's so many different ways of measuring things. Not everything is on a normal weighing scale. There's ways of measuring light. There's ways of measuring sound. There's ways of measuring so many other things that do not have a mass. Subhanallah. And so now to understand the weighing of good deeds is so much easier. So the, the, the new inventions of today, in reality, if you think from an Islamic perspective, if you keep the Quran and Sunnah in front of you, it can help you and I understand what is awaiting for us in the Akhirah. They will have found whatever they have done, all of it present before them. They will find it in front of them. Remember, Jokushkiya is here. Your Lord shall never wrong anyone in the, late, in the least. Now, this reminds me of Hadith Qudsi. Nabi Sallallahu said, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, the last portion of the beautiful long Hadith, Ya Ibadi Inni Haramtu Dhulma Ala Nafsi Falat Dhalamu. The long Hadith. The last portion of it is, Ya, um, ya Ibadi, O oh my servants, Inna Hiya A'malukum Uhsiha Lakum. Indeed, it is only your actions that I am gathering. I'm asking my angels to gather and write. It's only your actions that I'm gathering. Whoever finds good in his book of deeds, he should thank Allah. Praise Allah. And whoever finds anything besides good in his book of deeds, he should not blame anyone besides himself. What a powerful hadith. The book of deeds, there's no, nothing added in there. It's what you did is what's in here. So if you find something good, don't pat yourself on the back. Thank Allah for giving you the tawfiq. Thank Allah for giving you the tawfiq. All of you who made it out today, all of you who are listening online today, subhanAllah, thank Allah for the tawfiq we got today. Right? And subhanAllah, let's not think about that we've done something great. And if we find something wrong that we have done, committed today, Allah forgive me and forgive you, then don't blame anyone besides ourselves. This is where we conclude uh, this, uh, this uh, ruku'ah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant you and I the haqiqah of this dunya. Allow us to understand, the grant, grant us the haqiqah, the meaning of this dunya, the meaning of akhirah. Dunya comes from, uh, one of the explanations, dunya comes from dani. Dani means khasis, lowly. Dunya is opposite of ulya. Ulya means high. Dunya means low. That's it. That's what is called dunya. It's lowly. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to uh, overcome the passion of materialism and allow us to get, get this rid, get it rid and removed from our heart. Amin Rabbil Alameen. A couple announcements before we do dhikr and dua. We have our weekly Team Fajr. 
that takes place on Saturdays. All of you are aware. Uh, now we need, inshallah, a couple hosts for the next three weeks because we don't have the host of, you know, the list has come to an end. So if there are brothers here who are listening online, if you can just put it on the chat, if you or your family would like to be a host for a Saturday, this Saturday and the next three Saturdays, if you can get the next three Saturdays, that would be great. If anyone's in the crowd over here, Abdul Moiz is there in the back, right? Can you stand up, Abdul Moiz? Right, so just meet Abdul Moiz there if you would like to um, host one of the Team Fudgers. What does hosting Team Fudger mean? Besides uh, taking care of the cost of the breakfast, and if you want to bring from home, of course, that would be the most ideal. If you want to have your family involved, your, your, your whole entire family, get the men and the women and the extended family involved in, in mashallah, bringing a hot breakfast for the musallis, that would be great for the students and everyone's here. If not, you can, we can get it catered. There's caterers there. Besides that, the second most or more important than that is inviting your family and friends. So you're the host. It's like instead of inviting them to your house for breakfast, you're inviting them to the Masjid Darussalam for breakfast. And along with breakfast, they're going to get soul food. They're going to get the talk. They're going to get dhikr. They're going to get dua, a powerful talk. And then after that, food. So I request the brothers, inshallah, if we can have someone for this week and the next two weeks, uh, meet Abdul Moiz Bay or put it on the YouTube chat so that we, are, we can take care of that, inshallah. Second announcement is, um, is the, uh, uh, the, uh, the winter intensive is coming up, inshallah, in about two weeks' time. And December 25th to 28th, if you're hearing about it first time, please do visit the website. It's got the full schedule, the youth schedule, the adult schedule, girl schedule, boy schedule. All the parallel schedules are all done. They're on our website. If you're listening from out of state, we have the Muslim hotels owned, Muslim owned hotels across the street. Uh, the, and so you can get the details and the link for that on our website, a special rate for booking that. For those of you who want to do etikaf in the masjid, the masjid will be open for etikaf. And we will provide dinner and breakfast, inshallah, for those who are doing etikaf from out of state and from locals as well, whoever wants to join us for etikaf. Isha will be preponed on those nights. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, inshallah, during that weekend, we'll be praying Isha awal waqt as soon as the program finishes at 6 or 6.30. So that schedule is out there. So please, locals, make note of that. Um, and and uh, babysitting is provided off-site, not here. So mothers with younger children, you are more than welcome to come. We have a separate room reserved for you. But uh, if, if there's no specific you know, set babysitting per se for under three, uh, we have programs as young as six and above that inshallah will be taking place here for children. So I expect all of you, brothers and sisters who are listening, please become ambassadors of this program. It's a four-day program build, uh, focusing on how to build confidence within ourselves and the Muslim community. How to answer tough questions about our deen. How to destroy doubt. Okay? So the full details of it are on our website. Don't um, hesitate to visit and invite your family friends. We have a bus that we are trying to fill up from New York, uh, New York area. And we can make pit stops in New Jersey as well. There are some brothers from Houston that are trying to bring a bus as well. Um, there are some from Dallas who are trying to bring a bus as well. So if you're from those regions, please contact us. We'll put you in touch with those who are, who are organizing that. And I ask all of you to please make dua. It's not easy to do all this work. These brothers in these areas are trying their best. Please make dua. Allah remove the hurdles and the obstacles from their way and allows this, this winter intensive to be extremely, extremely successful in protecting our youth from leaving the fold of Islam, protecting our children, our daughters, our sons, and ourselves from having issues of faith. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it as a means of hidayah uh, for all of us, inshallah um, And then there's a 2022 calendars available in the uh, uh, lobby. Please do pick one up, inshallah and support it. Support the printing cost in any way you can, if you can, inshallah uh, It's beautiful. Take some gifts. Take 50, 20, 30, whatever. Donate towards it as much as you can. And inshallah it's a great gift. Great gift for uh, your relatives and friends.
Um, for those of you who are not aware, the entire year schedule. When's the retreat going to be? When's the summer program starting? When's the one-year program starting? When is the uh, winter intensive? Everything for next year is already settled, is there. So you can plan out all your events based on that. You know, it's already in the calendar. It's got the Islamic dates as well as the Gregorian dates. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه 
I also want to announce, inshallah, as, the, as soon as the winter intensive finishes on the 28th and Tuesday, a, as I mentioned last week, there's a group that is going out for Umrah, inshallah, for six days, coming back on the 4th of January. So if there are brothers and sisters who would like to participate in this winter break, want to go out uh, and be blessed with the visit of the Haramain and Sharifain, inshallah, you know, that is an opportunity that is, from, again, from the 28th of December to the 4th of January. We ask Allah to accept all those who went and who are going. And may he, like I said last week, may he inspire every single one of us to make niyyah, inshallah, to go as soon as possible to the blessed lands and accept our ziyarah. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, accept this gathering. Allah, accept this gathering. O Allah, make it a means of our revival of our deen in our hearts. O Allah, make it a means of our forgiveness. O Allah, make it a means of us leading a life that is pleasing to you and that is in accordance to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, enable every one of us to become reciters of the Quran. Allow us all to recite Surah Al-Kahf on a regular basis. Ya Allah, make every one of us who is making an effort to memorize Surah Al-Kahf Enable it, make it easy for us to memorize it. O Allah, make it easy for all of us to memorize Surah Al-Kahf. Ya Allah, make it easy for all of us to memorize Surah Al-Kahf. Ya Allah, give us the tawfiq to recite at least the first ten and the last ten verses every single day. Ya Allah, give, give us the tawfiq to recite the first ten and last ten verses every single day. Allow us to recite the surah as often as possible per week. Allow us to reflect on its meanings. Allow us to ponder over its meanings. Allow us to, do, uh, to understand the message of Surah Al-Kahf and allow, allow us to be able to have the basira and the farsight to be able to, to foresight to be able to distinguish right from wrong in this day and age. And to be able to follow the right and stay away from the evil. O oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to protect us from insincerity, protect us from disease of the heart, protect us from any and all type of sins related to any part of our body. O oh Allah, related to our wealth, earning of wealth and spending of wealth as well. O oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to grant shifa to those who are sick. O oh Allah, there is one of our community members and volunteers, O oh Allah, whose mother-in-law is very sick. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant her complete shifa, grant her complete shifa, make her surgery successful, grant her shifa from cancer. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant her complete shifa from cancer. O oh Allah, one of the one of the other brothers, Ya Allah, who, who just messaged of his father, Ya Allah, who, who is who was paralyzed and now has COVID. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant him complete shifa. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant him complete shifa. O oh Allah, we ask him to grant Mulan Iqbal complete shifa. O oh Allah, we have another brother, Ya Allah, who's, 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 who's on COVID, who's with COVID on the ventilator from our community. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask you to grant him complete shifa. O oh Allah, we ask him to grant him complete shifa. O oh Allah, we ask you to make these sicknesses a means of complete, complete forgiveness. Make it a means of them, Ya Allah, being able to be connected with you. O oh Allah, make it a means of their families coming together and making lots of dua. Make it a means of hidayah for the entire families, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, grant shifa to these individuals and all those from the Ummah of Rasulullah Sallallahu who are sick, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to grant all of us cure from spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical illnesses. And shifa to all our loved ones. O oh Allah, put muhabba and love between us and our spouses, between us and our parents and our children. O oh Allah, make it easy for the parents. Teach the parents, teach the parents to, and allow the parents to learn how to raise their children. Make it easy for all of us our parents to learn how to raise our children in this day and age. Enable us with the usloob and the hikmah and the wisdom to be able to raise them in a proper manner, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, remove all discord from those bickering couples. O oh Allah, remove discord, misunderstanding from the bickering couples, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, remove shaitan influences from the, from the marriages, Ya Allah. Shaitan influences from the relationships between families, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, whatever permissible desires and needs any one of us have, Ya Allah, fulfill all of our permissible halal desires and needs, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, grant qubuliya to our upcoming winter intensive. Grant qubuliya to all of our programs. O oh Allah, make it accepted in your eyes. O oh Allah, allow it to become a means of our najah and our forgiveness. Subhanallah, rabbika rabbil azadim asifun. Wa salamun al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen.